We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. All righty, you hear that show, Respect My Game, like Joe Namath. It's not Joe Namath, but it is Ray Ellis, and you're listening to Ray Ellis Sports on the Voice America Network. I'm in Phoenix, living like it matters. And shout out to Joe Namath as I got up this morning preparing myself to, uh, of course, come into work here at Voice America. I got a chance to uh, uh, listen to Joe Willie Namath, uh, University of Alabama, Roll Tide Props. Nick Samet a Buckeye, you know, I know y'all don't know y'all don't want to claim Nick as being a Buckeye, but Nick got some Buckeye in him. But uh Joe was on, you know, Joe was on this morning and, and uh, uh Joe uh, spoke extremely well in terms of his assessment of what's going on uh, up there in New York. And uh of course with their head coach, uh Mr. Ryan and uh their quarterback Mark Sanchez and uh, you know, Joe believes that uh, that you got the kind of quarterback in Mark Sanchez that perhaps may be the next person that could bring a championship to uh, New York City. And Joe is uh, the last one, of course, for the Jets, and I think the only one for the Jets to do that. And, uh, you know, he talked, uh, I mean, he just spoke extremely well, uh, represented the Jets, uh, represented himself, and, you know, said Mark Sanchez can do it. You know, it's just, uh, I think of all the things that he said about in terms of improvement of what Mark needed was, it was about perhaps maybe accuracy. And uh, so we're going to talk a little bit about that. Uh, shout out to um, Laura Murray. I, I spoke with uh, Laura this morning, and, and Laura is the executive director of Internet Content Syndication Council, uh, ICSC, and, and we had a long conversation about content syndication and of course uh for my interest is of course sports content syndication and and we'll be talking about that because hopefully soon uh you know you'll be able to find Voice America Sports you can always find us throughout the world but you always have to come to Voice America Sports or to one of the player sites uh, in order to um hear the show but we're talking about some very very interesting things in the very near future uh, and developing a relationship with uh, Internet Content Syndication Console, that's ICSC, and uh, you can go to uh, internetsyndication.org and find out more about her organization. But uh, I got a couple friends that's going to be joining me, uh, and I believe if I'm uh, not mistaken, and I push these buttons, 
you know, that's what technology is all about. Just pushing buttons. Just, just pushing buttons. Don't have to do a whole lot of work. Don't need a whole lot of strength. You just push some buttons and it'll let you know what's going on. So uh, I don't know who's calling me on my cell phone right now, but I'm doing the show. You know, I'm doing the show. So I, I can't talk to you on the phone right now. Uh, but Freddie is with me. I know Freddie Scott with me right now. Freddie, how you doing? Man, I'm great. How are you, right? Man, that's fine. So I know it's not you calling me, Freddie. I don't know who's calling me, man. You know, <laughs> somebody. I think they might have heard me, you know, uh, because uh, I think they hung up. But uh, I wanted to get a chance to, of course, have my friend uh, Freddie Scott on the show with me and uh, talk a little bit about football and, and talk about, of course, uh, you know, what he's doing out there in the world of assisting uh, fathers and uh, helping their lives to be more complete and, and helping the children of those fathers' lives uh, be a little bit more complete. And and I think uh, Kevin's going to join us as well. Is that right, Freddie? Is, is Kevin with you? He, no, Kevin's not with me. And uh, I'm waiting to hear back also from Chris to see if he's going to be able to join us. But I know he was tied up doing some uh, some seminars today. And, and so I'm waiting to see if I get a text and uh, from him with that, but man, we we're fired up. We are ready to go and make a huge impact on families and men everywhere. Okay, well I tell you what, I'm I'm gonna take another caller real fast. You just hold on there, Freddie, because you're gonna be part of this conversation too. And uh, I believe Kevin Browning is on the line. Kevin, are you there? Yes, I'm here. How are you doing today? I'm doing wonderful. How are you? I'm great. Thank you. Yeah, tell me a little bit, man. What's going on in your mind and your world out there in sports, there, Kev? Oh uh, well, well, what's going on with me, man? I sit here and uh. I kind of dissect the game personally. I look at uh, I look at the, the talent of the, the young players today compared to the players of yesterday. The players of yesterday played the game for the love of the game. Uh, I talk to a lot of the players today, and I kind of tell them, "Play for the love of the game. You play for the love of the game, the money gonna come." You know, it's it's not always about you know money. Everybody wanna work where they uh, 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 and, and have, you know, enjoy to uh, have fun working and it's rarely to uh, be in that elite company of uh, men that have paid the wave for these cats to uh, get out here and continue success and have growth. So, you know, like my hats, I, like I give big shots out to like Larry Fitzgerald. You know, you know he he's out there in the city of Phoenix. Not only is he talented on the field, but he's giving back, and he's all you know. At the same time, he's turning around and he's trying to educate others as well. You know, uh, I like the way like Michael Vick is doing over there uh, uh, in Philly. You know, so uh, I just enjoy it. I enjoy uh, the people that are blessed and have the opportunity to uh, get out there and give back. Because uh, we need to uh, educate our children, and so they can get out there as well and, and, and keep the game alive. Well, you know, it's interesting you say that. I, I got Freddie Scott, of course, on the line with me, and, and Freddie has been, a, you know, a tremendous player in the National Football League, and now his his career has moved on, uh, you know, off the field, and he's a tremendous role model uh, for a lot of, uh, you know, young men who are out playing this game today. Freddie, uh, the the gentleman mentioned about players today, you know, playing for money, uh, but a few of them he mentioned that, you know, have also given back to the community. Uh, what's your assessment of, of the players today um, and and their responsibilities as, that we've put on them, uh, and we've kind of asked them to take the reins 
and 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 do some things for people in the community. Are they doing a good job or a bad job today, Freddie? Yeah, I think you you can have a mixed bag with that. You know, I think it's really going to depend upon who you're talking about and and what their support and upbringing has been. You know, you can you can you can see kids and guys. I say kids. Wow. Uh, <laughs> <you> <laughs> That's all right. That's all right. Aging yourself you know, yeah. <laughs> from from all ends of the spectrum. And typically, the guys that may not be doing it the way we would expect are the guys that maybe grew up in a single home. They didn't really have a, a great male role model in their life. Uh, they have a skewed perspective of what being a man is, and so typically they're more self-absorbed. The, the, the game is about them. The money they make is about them. The life they live is all about them and, and who makes them feel good about themselves and not so much about uh, how they can give back into the community. And, uh, and, and usually when they do community things, it's the things where I show up and take a picture, do a handshake, sign a couple autographs, and I'm out but not something that I'm really focused and I have a heart drive and a passion uh, all, uh, for that for that group or organization or the people that you're uh, trying to impact. Then you're going to have some other guys that, like you, like you said, uh, a Larry Fitzgerald, a, a Michael Vick. Well, what's the difference between those two guys? Well, I know Larry Fitzgerald has a father that's very involved in his life and has helped groom and mold him and prepare him for not just life on the field but also life off the field. Correct. And, and from that, he has a different perspective of understanding uh, uh, what his platform is, not just on the team, but also in the community around him. And then, of course, Michael Vick. Look at Michael Vick before Tony Dungy mentor versus Michael Vick after Tony Dungy mentor. It's a day and night uh, uh, situation, and and I'm happy that he got a six-year, hundred million dollar uh, contract. Uh, uh, hopefully, he can be able to, you know, be set again for his life. But I think this time. He's actually going to be able to use it to do the things, not just for him and his family, but also for the community around him that, that he has a passion to help now. And I don't think you you saw that passion to really be engaged in a community before he had a mentor in his life to help him understand uh, the role, the real role that he has, and the influence and impact that he has uh, on those around him. And, uh, Kevin, uh, you know, I'm just going to assume, you know, I, I got a couple gray hairs on my head, man. I, I'm going to assume that you got maybe one or two. I'm, I'm not going to say you got more than I have. but I, I, So I'm going to say you spend a little time on this earth. And, and let me just ask you something. Uh, do you just think uh, we can just throw a blanket out there and say that all young men, because they're professional athletes or entertainers, uh, should be role models? Or are you looking for a few good men to step up and be role models? Well, uh, After all, these kids are just playing football and just acting and singing. You know, we don't know much about them. So that's why I ask those questions. Well, my, my personal belief, uh, it started in the home. It started in the home. You know, uh, Barkley said it years ago, I'm not your children role model. Perfect example. But the children, you know, they look up to the athletes. And I was always taught you be a professional not only on the field but off the field as well. You know, one of the things that I enjoyed, I was I was blessed for a moment to play arena football myself for a moment. And one of the things I liked about what Coach White did was like we interact. That's with Danny the White, am I correct? That's correct. Okay. You know, we interact with the fans. We, you know. We took upon ourselves, some of us just took upon ourselves to go into in the different communities. And, you know, where we weren't even making much, we might not have made much money, but it was a good feeling to just, like, go and 
and some of the inner cities and, you know, buy, buy tickets and, and donate it to, like, your different boys' clubs or YMCA's, you know, and, uh, to give uh, the children a chance to see ex- uh, more exposure instead of uh, the chaos that they see in their community all the time. You know, uh, and like like uh, Freddie was saying, it, it it is a different structure when you have a parent that's mentoring you, more or less when you don't have a, you know, when you, uh, like you say, most of us do come from single-family uh, homes, you know, and then that one parent is, is working hard and uh, so to provide while you're out, you know, while you're kind of out there, in, in the streets alone. So if you don't have a boys club or a youth center or a YMCA or something to go to, you can easily get, these kids can easily get lost to the streets. I think, well, I was thankful and blessed. I grew up in Compton, California. And my mom, she was she was a social worker. She While she was at work, me and my brothers and sisters, not only when we got out of school, we was close to a boys club. So, Myself, I was always in the sports and playing the different variety of sports. It, it took me away. I, I stayed away, shied away from the illegal activities that the youngsters in the same community was growing into. You know, so uh, and then along the way, meeting positive people like like how Freddie say he go out he take pictures and he give people uh, positive input that touch a lot of kids lives in a lot of ways you know and it's a great feeling to if you can just reach out and touch that one that, that, that that's a beautiful feeling you know because like I say they are our futures right right well I, I certainly can appreciate that perspective and 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 there is a need and I, I do like what Barkley said though and I, I embrace what Barkley said more than I'm offended by what he said. And that right. is, you know, because he's just trying to put the onus back on who it really starts, whose responsibility it is. And, and I have my own children. And it, it ain't easy. I'll tell you what, they do write books now. We used to right. say they don't write books. but They write books. But the book and the reality is, is two different things. So it's, it's a hard thing to do uh, to raise children in America, particularly in this generation uh, that we live in now because there's so much exposure and they got access to so many different things and then th- that sense of entitlement that we all uh, kind of throw out there. But I tell you what, we, we're not going to give up on those kids, on our kids today. Uh, but I tell you what, man, you, you threw something out there and we got about two minutes. Uh, Kevin, you threw something out there about arena football. And, uh, you know, of course, we all know a little bit about arena football, but uh, I, I heard somebody say the other day in, in Dallas, you can be either one quarterback or the other. You can either be Roger Staubach or you could be Danny White. And I thought that was a little bit unfair. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you a chance to talk a little bit about that, Kevin. But we're going to take a break, and then Freddie and I are going to jump in on some of that too. But what we're going to talk about, is there only two quarterbacks you can be uh, You know, in Dallas? Either you're going to be Roger Staubach. Or either you going to be Danny White, you know. Mm. I think there was somebody else that was in there too. Real good quarterback by the name of Troy Aikman. Troy Aikman. But I got, but I got to take a break. We got some music in my ear. You listen to Rail of Sports on the Voice America Network. I'm in Phoenix, living like it matters, and we'll be right back after this break. Internet 
flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. So Andy Serling packed his bags, left the city, and is enjoying his temporary digs in Saratoga. But that won't stop us from bringing you Playing to Win, the best online handicapping show for serious horse players. Catch Andy and his great lineup of guests every week throughout the month of August on location from the beautiful Saratoga Racecourse. He and his guests are some of the best in the biz. They bring you new insights to making money, and they tell it like it is. I'm 3-5-1 in this race, but the 3 is very much the one to be. We're going to completely disagree on this race. I absolutely disagree. Spicer, especially at one to two. And it's anything but the same old horse racing show. This is a nine horse field, but really there are seven donkeys and two zebras. Playing to win with Andy Serling, a show seriously committed to making more money at the game, but with a personality. This is a dunce cap horse for me. If this horse wins, next week I got the dunce cap on. YouBet.com's Playing to Win, presented by the Daily Racing Forum. Look for it the day before big race days, mostly Fridays. Find a complete schedule in the Daily Racing Forum or click on Playing to Win at YouBet.com. The job of a professional athlete is never complete. In Life After the Game, host Lamar Campbell will take an inside look at how athletes are making the transition from the professional athletics world to the professional business world. You'll understand the goals, motivations, and personalities that drive these players off the field and in their post-professional career. Tune in to Life After the Game with Lamar Campbell every Monday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. You hear that music, you know the show. You listen to Rail of Sports on the Voice America Network. I'm in Phoenix living like it matters. And, of course, I want to, uh, you know, thank uh, my friends for joining because we all friends. You know, as a matter of fact, uh, Kevin and I, you know, uh, met each other and became friends on Facebook. So Facebook is working. I invited him to the show, and, and he called in, and he threw something out there. And, and I'm just going to say this because I believe it was, well, I'm, I think it was Marshall Falk who said it, if I recall. But I, I recall Marshall saying in Dallas, either you Roger Staubach or you Danny White, as if, you know, Roger's at the, at the top of the pole and Danny's at the bottom of the pole. And it's a matter of what is uh, the current qu- quarterback, Tony Romo. Hey, Tony, you're going to be one or the other. And and so uh, I'm, I'm going to throw that out there. And first, I'm going to throw it out there. Uh, I, I'm going to throw it out there first. And I'm going to let Freddie talk a little bit about that. Freddie, you know, being, you know, catching that ball, man, doing your thing. You know, you look at this quarterback that they got now, Tony Romo. You know, is he more of a Roger Starback? And I Roger, because obviously he won the Super Bowl and, you know, made him America's team. Troy Aikman then became the next Roger Staubach, if you will. But Danny didn't quite meet it. And Danny was there when they had some some of the greatest players that ever played on the Dallas Cowboys. Certainly Tony Dorsett was there, you know, uh, and, and quite, you know, Drew Pearson was there. You know, Too Tall Jones was there. I mean, he played with some great players uh, uh, that were there. Um, Hollywood Henderson was there. Uh, Tony Romo, let me ask you something. Uh, is he uh, Danny White who 
probably is not going to win a Super Bowl, or is he, uh, you know, Roger Starbuck that you think he could possibly, you know, win a Super Bowl for the Dallas Cowboys? And, and know, of course, that, go ahead, Freddie, tell me about that. Well, that, that, that's going to be tough. I mean, that right now, uh, there's no question his talent. You know, he has got a strong arm. He's clearly the general and the leader of that team. Uh, there's no question that they found somebody that can run the show uh, there in Dallas. The question, though, is is the fact that there's so much talent around the league, and they're still sort of the Cowboys, that is, are still trying to define themselves. Who are they really as a football team? You know, we thought it was going to be the Roy Williams and Miles Austin, and we tried T.O. a few years ago, and we thought Marion Barber was going to be sort of the, the pounded guy, but that didn't really work out, and so now we've drafted uh, uh, two more over the past two to three years. They've drafted high running backs, and they all sort of fit the same mold of the quick scat guys and choice, and you've got Felix Jones, and the young guy, young back they just drafted this year. And so uh, they're still trying to find, you know, who they are. You've got a Des Bryant that has all the talent in the world, but off the field has got a lot of character issues and, and drops a lot of balls that Romo's putting right on the numbers between the 8-8, which means there's a lot of expectation for him to live up to a Michael Irvin-type standard and talent there in Dallas. And so I don't think the weight of this is going to fall totally on what Romo can do as much is what the team is going to be able to do around him. And right now, I'd have to put him in more of the Danny White category, which I don't think is a slam, but Danny White, when you think about it, why didn't they win the Super Bowl back during their heyday? Well, it happened to be right when the 49ers started their dynasty in the 80s. Remember a play called The Catch in San Francisco there? The, the, you know, if that play doesn't happen, the Cowboys end up playing the Cincinnati Bengals in Detroit in the Silverdome and possibly winning a Super Bowl that year and possibly starting their own run. But we know what happened after that. Of course, the 49ers, you know, went on their run in the 80s, and so the Cowboys slash Danny White always had to go up against his quarterback named, um, what was his name? Joe Montana. <laughs> Arguably one of the best quarterbacks, if not the best quarterback of all time. And so, you know, and I see, you know, Romo having to play in the same era as a Tom Brady, as a Peyton Manning, you know, as a Drew Brees. And there are some top quality quarterbacks who are in the conversation as being some of the best to ever play the game. And I don't think that Tony's going to be able to do it by himself until he gets some stability in his receiver course, some clear direction uh, in his backfield on what we're going to be doing. They just cut their starting uh, center, Pro Bowl center, because they couldn't agree to uh, contract terms. And so there's some juggling they're doing on the offensive line. They've got a lot of work to do before you can start putting them in the, uh, in the Starbuck-Aikman category. Well, I, I can tell you what, and I, I, I got to do this, guys. I, I got to give a shout out to, of course, uh, 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 Drew Pierce and, and Tony Hill and all them guys back in the day, because you know I, I played a couple times against them Dallas Cowboys, of which, uh, of course, uh, you know Danny was was that quarterback. But you know, uh, it doesn't just fall upon the quarterback, because I know when the Philadelphia Eagles beat them the year before, I came there in the NFC Championship game. You know, Wilbur Montgomery and, 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 and company, you know, had a hell of a game against the Dallas Cowboys. And, of course, they went on to lose that Super Bowl against the Raiders. Uh, but what I'm going to do is I'm going to turn it over to Kevin. And, Kevin, you, you know, Danny being your coach, but you may be knowing a little bit about uh, his playing days. Uh, is he getting too much at the wrong end of the stick in terms of, 
you know, not giving him what he deserves in terms of what he did for the Cowboys because, you know, he took them to two NFC championship games for sure. I, I believe he was a starting quarterback in that game where they, uh, where they played against the Eagles. Uh, I certainly know he was when they uh, lost against Joe Montana in the 49ers. And that was, again, that Lady Luck shows up just about every game for one team or the other. So is, so is Danny getting on his ability? Is he getting the short end of the stick, or you just think, well, maybe he just came up short a few times and maybe he wasn't that good? No, I believe he was getting the short end of the stick because, like Freddie said, uh, during that era, like you said, the, the 49ers was, was pretty much the team of the decade, of, of that decade, because the, the way that they had that, uh, Joe Montana had that structure around him, with, uh, uh, but the key person he had, to, to help them along the way was was that head head coach Bill Walsh, you know, and like like you said about the Cowboys today, you know, Romo is a good quarterback. Um, uh, it's a lot of uh, they, it's it's more see what people don't know and what fans don't know. It is a lot of politics behind the game of football. Fans only see Sunday and Saturday, you know, and and because. All they see is Sunday and Saturday. They don't know what the athletes go through, you know, preparing for game time. And even though uh, the quarterback is the leader, you know, he, he can only do so much. You know, uh, first and foremost, it takes that, that line. If that line going to block for him and, 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 he, and, his, and his receivers can, can get open and, and like I say, the, the game, it, it, it gets faster. Athletes get bigger and they get faster, you know. And 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 if each and every individual is doing their job, you know, it, uh, he can succeed, you know. And, and and like you say, Danny White, you know, he did have a lot of talent around him. But like at that uh, during that era, it was talent throughout the whole league. So I think he get the short end of the stick. Well, let me let me say this. I, I know. You know, when you look at quarterbacks, you know, I, I don't know, it doesn't, there's many times when you hear people discussing football, you know, we don't always use the same analogy as when we do basketball. Right. You know, and one thing about basketball, and the same thing about ba baseball, you know, in baseball, sometimes uh, when the game is on the line, uh, what you'll do uh, to, to help your team out is you will walk a hitter. So that because you think there's a chance that that person is going to knock the ball out the park and the game is lost. So you will you will walk one hitter so that you can face another hitter, you know, and, and basketball, you know, I know if, if the game is on the line for me, uh, I think right now I still want the ball to be in Kobe Bryant's hands. Right. So, so let's look at football. You know, I, I I come from a generation where, you know, there was a couple people listening. I, I don't care who it was. Line them up. Let's play. But there were some people that you had a little bit more respect for when it came to a two-minute drill, and they had one timeout, and they had 98 yards to go. <laughs> you know, you still was a little bit concerned that they, there's a chance they might make this thing work, and they might win the game. But, you know, you ain't scared. You're going to line up and play. Okay, so the guys ain't scared today either. Right. But my question is to, to you first, Kevin. Uh, is Tony Romo that quarterback that defenses is fearing when he line up and he's got, uh, you know, he got 90 yards to go. He's got, uh, you know, one timeout. I give him two timeouts and he down by four. It, it, are they afraid of Tony Romo or do they think Tony Romo can deliver? Right now, they're not afraid of him. 
but he can deliver. He can, he can definitely deliver, but they would be more afraid of, uh, let's say, Peyton Manning, like you say. But uh, right now, until they can get their structure and everybody can connect together as a unit, they're not, they're not afraid of him. Okay, I'm gonna hey, hey, turn that over to Freddie. Freddie, same same question. I'm talking. Let's talk Tony Romo. Okay, you got Tony's your quarterback, and uh, no, let's just say you're a fan. Don't make him your quarterback. You're a fan of the game. Okay, and Tony Romo's got the ball with a minute to go. I'm sorry, let's give him a minute thirty. Two timeouts, ninety yards, down by four. You think Tony gonna win that game? Nope. I'll tell you what we used to say back uh, during our playing days. The eye in the sky doesn't lie. Right. And and, and we always talked about that game film just does not lie. And there's too much game film of choking under pressure, not being able to make the throw, not being able to execute when it's needed. And, And so because of the game film being that, there's not a defense that's out there like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe we just gave this guy another chance. You know, like, like for example, a Bill Belichick going for for a fourth and two, you know, and giving Peyton one shot. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. You know, it will, yeah. and everybody else, and now, but think about it. Belichick is saying, you know what? I would rather go for it on fourth and two and keep the ball than give Peyton another shot. Right. <laughs> and so, and so I can sort of understand what he was thinking because if they convert, the game's over. But, but that, that is, a uh, thought process that if Bill Belichick is saying, I don't want the ball to be in this guy's hand, you know, that same play, I guarantee you, if he's playing the Cowboys, he's putting the ball in the hand. My defense can stop Romo. Right. And That's see, right. and I agree with you. And that was a great analogy of what what we're talking about, you know. And, and I don't want to slight Danny. That, that was kind of what I wanted to bring out between you guys. I didn't want to slight Danny because I thought Danny was a da- – Danny, to me – was a better quarterback than Tony Romo is today because Tony ain't got the two NFC championship games, right. okay, uh, to put his team in a place where they about to go to a Super Bowl. Danny did that. He wasn't successful in winning those games, uh, but he did that. But but I agree with Bill Belichick did, and a lot of people had problems with what Bill did, and I really do not, you know, for the simple reason is he looked at who the person was on the other side of the ball, and he was saying, hell no, I do not want to give that ball to Peyton Manning, that, and, that, and he and he knew who he had throwing the ball that he felt that my man can make this play, and I I I, I that's that's saying and I got that, confidence that's a key in you. Point. He didn't. He also had a quarterback that he felt could execute on fourth that, and two. That's exactly got right. Tom right. Brady, who's got you know four, four or five you know rings, and said, you know, my guy can go ahead and execute a fourth and two, and I'd rather have it in my guy's hands than in Peyton's hands. And, right. and I and I, I agree with that. And so, I, for one, I want to pull Danny from up under that bus. And then the next thing I want to do is I want to throw Tony under that bus <laughs> because <laughs> he still has something to prove. And I don't know, man, they showing it on the screen. I guess it's that time again. I got to take another break. But the next thing I want to ask with my two guests when we come on the other side of this break is you got a checkbook. And it's got $100 million in there. Do you give it to Michael Vick? Hey, you got to answer that question on the other side of the break. You listen to Rail of Sports on the Voice America Network. I'm in Phoenix and living like it matters. We'll be right back after this break. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. 
So Andy Serling packed his bags, left the city, and is enjoying his temporary digs in Saratoga. But that won't stop us from bringing you Playing to Win, the best online handicapping show for serious horse players. Catch Andy and his great lineup of guests every week throughout the month of August on location from the beautiful Saratoga Racecourse. He and his guests are some of the best in the biz. They bring you new insights to making money, and they tell it like it is. I'm 3-5-1 in this race, but the 3 is very much the one to beat. We're going to completely disagree on this race. I absolutely despise her, especially at 1-2. And it's anything but the same old horse racing show. This is a nine-horse field, but really there are seven donkeys and two zebras. Playing to Win with Andy Serling, a show seriously committed to making more money at the game, but with a personality. This is a dunce cap horse for me. If this horse wins, next week I got the dunce cap on. YouBet.com's Playing to Win, presented by the Daily Racing Forum. Look for it the day before big race days, mostly Fridays. Find a complete schedule in the Daily Racing Forum or click on Playing to Win at YouBet.com. What if there was a program that brought the best in sports and the best of entertainment together in one place? It can be done, and Darnell Autry proves it every week on Outside the Spotlight. In this program, athletes and artists come together to share their success stories, hobbies, professional projects, and more that will interest not only the sports fan, but fans of entertainment and other human interest stories. If you have something you want to ask your favorite athlete or entertainer, listen for Outside the Spotlight, Fridays at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern, on Voice America Sports. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. Music, you know the show. You listen to Rail of Sports on the Voice of America Network. I'm in Phoenix, living like it matters. Uh, got my uh, friends with me, of course, uh, Freddie Scott uh, with me, and um, I also uh, have with me, of course, uh, Kevin Brownie. Um, uh, gentlemen, before we went to break, you know, there was something that I threw out there. Now, I remember, you know, back in the day, uh, when I first went to Philadelphia and I was playing ball, it took me a little while, but I got a nice little paycheck. And when I got that nice little paycheck, you know, it was probably the first generation of athletes where, you know, you know, a lot of us were making in the six figures, you know. And and, and so I approached the city of, of Philadelphia and talked about some business ventures. And, and I, I remember telling them, uh, you know, that they're probably when you looked at, you know, myself, Mike Quick, Wilbur Montgomery, Reggie White, uh, Randall Cunningham, Greg Brown. Uh, across the street, Moses Malone, Mo Cheeks, right. uh, Dr. J. You know, we probably had about, you know, 25 million new dollars collectively uh, that, you know, we could bring together, you know, on this, you know, approach I was telling them. Because, you know, athletes look for investments when they're playing ball because they got to make this transition to the real world when they're done. And, and you don't want to have a a period of which there's this space where you're not doing anything and your money is just being burned because it continues to consume because you got to pay for things you got to support your lifestyle so you want to try to set up some type of businesses so we we were interested in finding out what perhaps maybe uh, was available in terms of our resources and and we could you know invest in in business and so so they would they would take all and uh 
the guys to get together to get 25 million new dollars each year. We now are in a generation where you can take uh, five guys and they got a half a billion dollars. You got you can get ten athletes and you got a billion dollars. A hundred million. That I'm so happy. The day of the hundred million dollar contract is here. And um, what I'm like to do is, um, and we're going to bring somebody into the conversation too. Is you know Michael Vick just got a hundred million dollars yesterday. You know. New contract extension, hundred million dollars. I think it's over five, six years, something of that nature. But 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 I'm going to ask the question, and and of course, Freddie, I want you to answer first. Playing in the National Football League, hey, a hundred million dollar contract. And the thing about it, this ain't nothing new. This is Mike's second hundred million dollar contract. But do you write that check for a hundred million dollars for Michael Vick? Without a question. Now he is he he is. Uh, first of all, you have to realize this. He was not the heir apparent when you traded away Donovan McNabb. Right. They got rid of Donovan McNabb because they felt so confident in a guy named Kevin Call. And they said, what we see in Kevin Call is so good, we feel like Kevin is the, is the next phase of our organization. Donovan, thank you for what you've done, but we're going to go ahead and, and move on. And we've got a, a decent backup, you know, backup plan to Mike Vick. And then Mike Vick took over. So obviously what Mike has done on the practice field, in the meeting rooms, everything, winning his team over, he has truly earned the respect of the team, the respect of the coaches, and the respect of the city. You, you remember all the backlash that they used to hear about, oh, my goodness, they signed Michael Vick, this, this, this dog abuser, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Now he has won the city of Philadelphia over in a short window of time. And so I think that he has done on the field and off the field everything that a franchise quarterback is supposed to do and then we just throw on there the plays that he's made and keeping them in games and things that nobody, no other quarterback can even do on the field. You know, he is doing things that, that truly is making him uh, a cut above uh, most guys, especially when they, when they used to say, man, if he, could, if he could ever be accurate in his throws, then he'll be a real NFL quarterback and not just an athlete playing quarterback. Or, or if he could ever be a pocket passer, uh, now he is a pocket passer, putting the ball, you know, exactly where he wants it, making first, second, third, fourth, fifth reads, and then using his legs if he has to. He has truly deserved uh, every single penny, if not more. Well, we got Henry Clay on the line, and Henry, of course, uh, covers uh, the Philadelphia Eagles out there in Philadelphia, and, and Henry, uh, you just heard Freddie Scott, you know, say in his opinion, uh, why Michael deserves his contract? Uh, the temperature of the fans in Philadelphia—they—they they, for a while it took them a long time to embrace Michael. Michael started winning; uh, he earned it. Uh, are they happy with the fact that Mike has been awarded uh, this hundred million dollar contract? Absolutely, they are, and I think that uh, for those of us who have been around here especially during the work stoppage and what he did within the community. He spoke to youth organizations. He went down to Washington 
and testified uh, before the United States Congress on why uh, pet fighting should be uh, outlawed in this country. I think he has done a lot. And as you said, the press conference has just concluded. We are outside of the uh, the Novacare complex, which is the uh, home base of the Philadelphia Eagles. And we're going to hear from Andy Reid as well as the man himself, the $100 million man, uh, the only person to have uh, $200 million contracts in the history of the National Football League, Michael Vick. Yeah, and one, one thing I can say about this, Henry, is, and I want to give uh, credit, of course, to uh, Freddie, because Freddie said Michael earned that money. Michael was not the heir apparent for Donovan McNabb, but they did not even bring him there. Uh, to compete or to or to be the successor, you know, as we said, you know, already. Well, uh, well here's here, here's here's what I here, but here's what I want to say. It appeared that they were taking a chance because they knew the Michael Vick that had gone into prison, but they weren't sure that that Michael Vick was going to be the play at that level when he first came out, and that's the reason why I think. You know, they kept Kevin Cobb there that year, that first year when Michael first got out as as a security blanket in the event that Michael does. But they knew that if Michael could come back to be the player he was before he went in, that they had a gym and they had something that was worth a hundred million dollars. Do you do you believe that? Well, first of all, <clears throat> uh, I think that uh, first of all, before he was ever signed. Uh, Andy Reid and company did an incredible, uh, a thorough job on investigating his, first of all, his athletic ability, and second of all, his personal, uh, problems behind him. And you can attribute that to, uh, former coach Tony Dungy, who worked with, uh, the National Football League and Michael Vick to uh, bring him back into the league. So I think they knew, and they publicly will not admit it, but I think they realized that Kevin Cobb was not the future quarterback of this team. Uh, we wish the Arizona Cardinals well in their act acquiring him, but uh, he has some flaws in his game. Hopefully the change of scenery will remove those flaws. And uh, he will have a great career for them. We know what Michael Vick can do. In fact, I think that they went back and they looked at the tapes of that AFC, uh, NFC championship game here in a virtual blizzard and what he did even though the, uh, the Falcons lost that football game. He did some incredible things in some absolutely horrible conditions. Uh, the ground was frozen. It was snowing. It was cold. Uh, everything wrong. That could everything that could go wrong did, and he still, even in a loss, had a great game. And he was very, very contrite this afternoon. And I think that some point, uh, either on the internet, you'll hear the things that he had to say in their entirety, because he said he spoke volumes. Well, let me ask you, uh, you know, Kevin, of course, you know, you being a ball player yourself, you know, taking a look at uh, Michael Vick, knowing a little bit about Kevin Cobb. Did you get a chance, as a matter of fact, to see Kevin perform last week? I seen him perform last week. And, and, and like, with Kevin and Larry Fitzgerald, they do look good, look like they can. Uh, uh, once they stay on that certain path, he might, he might be what Arizona is looking at as the next Kurt Warner for there but 
personally, like like I was saying earlier, I, 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 I'm happy for Michael Vick because Michael Vick, like you said, he did earn it. And when he did come over uh, to uh, Philly, uh, at that time they had him at the number three quarterback. And like you say, he uh, uh, he he got out there, he did his thing, and the the one thing that what makes him successful today compared to when he first came into the league, he grew up. He grew up mentally, and it, and he started he's, he's doing things now that he didn't do when he was at Atlanta, and that's what's making him that awesome quarterback. Andy Reid and the Philadelphia organization is so smart. They, that's just, I, I believe this is why they also got Vince Young. Because I believe uh, uh, Michael can also mentor Vince to where them two will be that one-two punch. And Tonk, he's, he's going to learn to read the field, study the game book, you know, and, and not get himself in situations that maybe he was going through in Tennessee. Yeah, you know, and it's funny you say that because I, I want to look at, and I want to be fair, you know, I, I look at Tony Romo, and one thing about Tony Romo is uh, is that I think with the right teacher, you know, Tony Romo could uh, uh, Tony Romo could be a, a good quarterback, but 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 not just Tony Romo because Tony would be I already threw him up under the bus. So I'm gonna move from Tony Romo and make, let me make a better example, Tim Tebow. If Tim Tebow had the right teacher, I think he could be an okay quarterback. The reason why I don't think he could be a great quarterback in the National Football League because I don't think he has the arm strength that it takes. And I don't think he has the accuracy that it takes. But he has some other attributes. He's very mobile and he can but you you can't just run. Right. Running has to be something that you can resort to that scares those defenses and keeps them honest. And then every now and then you take off. But what I want to do is we're going to take a break because I have to. And then this last segment, there's a game on the calendar. Believe it or not, where the Arizona Cardinals and the Philadelphia Eagles are going to play each other. <laughs> we got we got a couple hundred million dollars on that field on that day in just two players. You listen to Rail of Sports on the Voice America Network. I'm in Phoenix and living like it matters. That's a $200 million show right now. Internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. So Andy Serling packed his bags, left the city, and is enjoying his temporary digs in Saratoga. But that won't stop us from bringing you Playing to Win, the best online handicapping show for serious horse players. Catch Andy and his great lineup of guests every week throughout the month of August on location from the beautiful Saratoga Racecourse. He and his guests are some of the best in the biz. They bring you new insights to making money, and they tell it like it is. I'm 3-5-1 in this race, but the 3 is very much the one to be. We're going to completely disagree on this race. I absolutely disagree. Spicer, especially at one to two. And it's anything but the same old horse racing show. This is a nine horse field, but really there are seven donkeys and two zebras. Playing to Win with Andy Serling, a show seriously committed to making more money at the game, but with a personality. This is a dunce cap horse for me. If this horse wins, next week I got the dunce cap on. YouBet.com's Playing to Win, presented by the Daily Racing Forum. Look for it the day before big race days, mostly Fridays. Find a complete schedule in the Daily Racing Forum or click on Playing to Win at YouBet.com. Beauty. It's a fly ball deep right field. Back goes O'Neal. He's at the 
shot. Got it! With 2.8 seconds left. to left. I don't care where they put him. This one is out of here. From high school to the pros, we, we cover everything. Let your voice be heard. Voice America Sports. Okay, we're back. You listen to Rail of Sports on the Voice America Network. I'm in Phoenix, living like it matters. Used to be in Philadelphia. And, of course, we're talking about the Philadelphia Eagles and Michael Vick, the $100 million man. But Michael's not the only $100 million man in the National Football League. And Michael Vick, I believe, in the history of the National Football League, can now stand atop that paycheck line as the only man to ever be awarded two contracts in excess of $100 million or at least at that $100 million uh, figure, of which I think, uh, according to reports, about $40 million of that is guaranteed, which means uh, he will get that money. You know, and, and, and let's say this, for those people out there that are upset with Michael, listen, he, he said he did the crime, he did the time, and, and now he's made a comeback, and he's getting a paycheck that he deserves. So uh, I know one thing on the calendar, and I, Henry, yeah, I'm here. I know we don't look ahead out there in Philadelphia. We go one game at a time. But you know, there is one game on the schedule that I've marked, and I believe it's going to be time for me to make a trip back to Philadelphia because I know the Arizona Cardinals are coming into Philadelphia, and uh, I think that the, the network people are hoping that, of course, everybody is healthy, and you got you know a hundred million dollar quarterback. And you got a hundred million dollar receiver on the opposite sides of the ball, but you got somebody else that's probably think that they're worthy of a hundred million dollars, and that's Deshaun Jackson. I get ready to say that. I said you may have two hundred million dollar receivers. <laughs> well, I, well, here's the thing about, it, and this is what I what I would like to say because I talked a little bit about Tim Tebow before we went there, and that, and that Tim Tebow, you know, you know how the world is. You know, we don't want to talk about color and race, but it always comes up from time to time. But Tim Tebow, I'm gonna throw Tim Tebow into this category of mobile quarterbacks. But the mobile quarterback has to have an, some accuracy that goes along with his throwing ability to get him into that hundred million dollar contract. You know, conversation. And Tim Tebow was, you know, he was the pick that they chose. They could have taken some other quarterbacks. So I think Tim, his accuracy is going to cost him. Uh, I think, I think that Michael Vick obviously has that accuracy that we all know uh, that can certainly, uh, you know, hurt a, a defending team. But, but let me, let me just say, when you talk about hundred million dollar receivers, and I, I'm glad I got Freddie Scott on here. You know, when I look at Larry Fitzgerald and I look at Deshaun Jackson, two different type receivers in terms of just the stature. You look at one, one look like a linebacker, and the other one look like a, a punt returner. Okay, but in my mind, I if I've got the two in today's football, I'm gonna take Deshaun because Deshaun also we talked about. Would you remember if you were here with the early part of the show? We talked about would you be threatened if Tony Romo had the ball with a minute to go? And, and one time out to go 90 yards. I would not be. But I tell you what, if Deshaun Jackson is back there and I'm punting to him, I'm not punting to him. I'm kicking the ball out of bounds. So I think he trumps Larry Fitzgerald. Henry, Larry Fitzgerald, Deshaun Jackson, same category as Deshaun, a $100 million man. 
Uh, absolutely, he's a hundred million dollar man, and, and I think it, it between now and the opening day, I think you're going to see something uh, happen with Deshaun Jackson. Um, you know, contract wise, I'm sure they're talking. Joe Banner was in the meeting uh, with uh, Andy and um, Michael Vick earlier this afternoon. Then he uh, got a phone call and left. So um, I would have to th- hope that something is up. That could be probably a football team with uh, <laughs> with the most money on the field at one time in uh, the history of the National Football League. But the one thing that I think that uh, Michael Vick has uh, going for him is the defense that he is facing. Now, there are some folks that are saying, well, you have a new defensive coordinator. But if there's anybody that has studied defenses, studied the game, uh, been tutored by one of the great ones in Jim Johnson, that's Juan Castillo. So every day in practice, Michael Vick is throwing up against many names that you know, Rogers Camarte, Samuel Samuel, Asante Samuel, to name a few. He's getting a pretty good, uh, to put it in the old vernacular schooling, in practice at Broaden Patterson every day. Well, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting you mentioned that, Henry, because, you know, I remember when I, get, when I got run out of the city of brotherly love and found myself back home in Cleveland, one reason why I thought the gun-slinging, side-arm throwing that nobody thought was a good quarterback, Bernie Kosar, you know, was so good is because he played against the number two tandem in the history of the National Football League every day in practice, and that was Frank Minifield and Hanford Dixon. So I agree with what you're saying, you know, but but also, uh, you know, to that point, you know, you look at that X factor that Deshaun has, and that is his punt returning ability. I mean, there's no other receiver out there, you know, the kid in Dallas maybe a little bit, but nobody, nobody. I mean, you're going to kick it out of bounds if Deshaun is back there. So uh, I I think that certainly makes him, you know, the elite of the two between Larry. But I I got a receiver on the phone, so I got to get it from him, Freddie. I got to get it directly from you, man. Let me hear what you got to say about Deshaun, and does he deserve to be if Larry... Fitzgerald is a $100 million man. Does Deshaun Jackson, who I believe is the only player in one year to make the Pro Bowl at two positions, too, I believe. He was a punt returner and a receiver. But please, Freddie, give it to the fans. Let them know what you think, man. I think you're talking about two entirely different athletes, two entirely different ways and approaches to attack defenses and win games. On one side with Larry Fitzgerald, which if you're talking about just a pure receiver, Route running, running the entire route tree. I don't care how big a defensive back is. You know, I can be physical and getting off press and bump and run coverage. I'm fast enough to run away from you. I can, I've got leaping ability to throw the ball. I can jump and make a, a, a one-handed, single-handed uh, a grab over guys. When you talk about just a pure receiver and, and what you can do as an offensive coordinator, I give the edge to Larry Fitzgerald. We're going to talk about playmaking ability when the guy has a ball in his hands, what he can do after the catch. Then, of course, Deshaun Jackson is, is, has been doing, you know, a job better than anybody else out there. For, uh, when you put, consider his size, his quickness, his speed, you know, he, he has been doing uh, a phenomenal job. So it really is going to, for me, being a receiver, 
I like what Larry Fitzgerald does when you talk about just pure talent and what a guy can bring as far as a playmaker, playmaking ability, then, of course, there's Deshaun Jackson. So, really, it's going to be dependent upon the value to that organization. If that organization says, you know, we need a playmaker, then they may go ahead and spend $100 million on them. If it was me, if I had a choice between the two, wow. Come on, you just said it. I didn't even want, I didn't even want to put that question. I didn't want to put that. I'll say this. I would go with the Larry Fitzgerald for this reason. Because a team, can, a punter, can punt the ball out of bounds or punt the ball between the numbers and try to take that part of the game out. And so if a part of the value of what Deshaun brings is because of what he's able to do on special teams, if, the, if that punter wants to keep his job next week, you better punt that ball out of bounds. <laughs> hey, hey, but let me say something to you, because if I'm not mistaken, uh, I think you've seen this a couple times as you watched and certainly probably participated too, Freddie, and that is a punter has the ability to every now and then shank that ball. Oh, yeah. And it's a five-yard punt all because he's afraid of what's out and down there waiting to catch it and return it. Hey, and man, our time. But you got to remember, he gets paid too. Yeah. And if he wants to and, keep his job, you punt that ball just like a field goal kicker. Mm-hmm. Your job is to put it between those uprights, and if you can't do that the way we're telling you to do it, we're going to find somebody else who will. The punter has a job too. And so. Hey, listen, I don't mean to make friend of my, uh, fun of my friends up there in New York, but I think they tried that one time against the Eagles. You know, I know they were, I know the punter was told to punt that ball out of bounds. And, uh, Henry, I'm sure you remember seeing that. But listen, guys, this, this has been a great show. I really appreciate everybody calling in. I appreciate all those folks out there who's been listening. Of course, you've been listening to Rail of Sports on the Voice America Network. It's about that time I hear some money, some music. Oh, I want to hear some money too, but I want to get money, but I hear music. So I tell you what, gotta go, man. So I'll see you next time, which will be the best time. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.